And are we talking about semi-charmed life? Is that the? Uh... Yeah, we're talking about do 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 do. This is fucking CW Network rock, is what this song is. <laughs> I, uh, the more I listen to this song, the more I really love it. Really? Um, I had the opposite reaction. I think really? that, like, yeah, because I hadn't really listened to this song for real ever, probably, you know, it's just kind of like one of those songs that you hear all the time. Sure. And you know it, like, I knew it as, like, the doot 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 song. And I, a couple of things that I realized when I listened to it, you know, over and over again to do this podcast is one the dude just straight up cannot sing yeah no i, I don't right think like he's... i didn't i didn't really notice that but like the studio engineers do a pretty good job of covering up but he just he can't sing and like he could barely even talk <laughs> like, he, like he says multiple syllables just like wildly strangely well i mean he is from san francisco <laughs> that'll that'll explain it <laughs> I mean, I, I use it as an explanation for when I can barely form coherent sentences or being from San Francisco or pronounce words correctly. I don't know, There's... man. This dude sounds like Elmer Fudd a little bit. Like he does a little bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think he sounds like Elmer Fudd at all. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. No, I'm not. I'm not going to cede that point to you. <laughs> You're wrong. He, you know what he sounds like? He sounds like he just came back from the dentist's office and he still has like like the Novocaine hasn't worn off. <laughs> oh like it, it's 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 a precursor to like mumblecore yeah absolutely he you know what he ha- he sounds like is he sounds like he has a mouthful of meth teeth is what he, he sounds prob- like well i think based off of this song <laughs> yeah. i think he does yeah also he's a fucking creepy douchebag according to the drummer of jimmy Eat world yeah well so apparently he is uh also just like a raging dirtbag like in terms of uh like towards his bandmates yeah that's what that was what the drummer of jimmy world was saying yeah we talked about this on some other episode that has nothing to do with either of these bands yeah i forget i forget what (laughs) i don't remember but yeah apparently he fucked his other bandmates out of like a contract right before they signed their bit like he he changed all the terms or something yeah exactly and then Jimmy Eat World went on tour with them, and then they all hate each other now, which is funny. I mean, understandably. Yeah. I mean, this dude, uh, this guy, uh, from what I understand, is he, he like, so I think him and there's one other guy, Steph, so Stefan Jenkins is the lead singer, and I think Brad Hargreaves is the drummer, and they are, like, the only two consistent people in the okay. entire band. Mm-hmm. And... I think they are like the songwriting duo and everybody else is kind of comes and goes as needed. Uh-huh. And who writes as, the, does, the, does, does Stephen Jenkins write the lyrics? Do we know? I, I assume Stephen I, I Jenkins. Assume that's, yeah. Yeah. Stephen Jenkins writes the lyrics. So they have the issue of this breakout first album, which this song is off of. And which spawned, I don't know, like literally every song on it was on the radio at some point, or yeah. as it feels that way. Yeah. And then their sophomore release, which came out like a year or two later, was not good. 
at all. Was there a were there any hits from that one? You know, I don't let's see. So they released four singles, but I don't remember so it's anything never let you go 10 days late and deep inside of you. God, these, they sound like <laughs> like a like an algorithm came up with third eye blind song titles. Yeah. And I don't remember any of those doing particularly well, or at least I I do remember that they are like one of the bands that is the prototypical sophomore slump kind of band Uh where you spend your entire life writing your debut album. So it's filled with all kinds of interesting life stories, or at least your life stories. And then when you have like a year or two to write a follow up, you don't know how to do that because you spent 10, 15 years writing your first album. Right. And then your second one, you have to spit out in like six months or something. Yeah. And it's just trash. And that's yeah, this is classic sophomore slump stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing is that the first album is kind of garbage too right like i mean i would say the the first album from like a musical standpoint is awesome like you think this do you think this song is awesome well i guess i guess so the the question comes down to is how much is this the band versus how much this is the producer they're working with right sure because like a a really good producer can get like amazing stuff out of a band or make a song seem more complex and interesting than it really is. Well, it, well, I'll tell you a couple things it can't do. It can't make his lyrics not insanely cringe-inducing. <laughs> and it can't make his voice not sound like he he is all Novocaine'd up. So. Yeah, and I guess how much of this is like this late 90s... Because like one of the things that I get from especially the cadence of the lyrics... Is yeah. this kind of like very late nineties? It's the bare naked ladies cadence. It's yeah. the rap rapping your vocals a little bit. Yeah, it, so and it's, it's like, like it's it's painfully bad to listen to. <laughs> like I hate <laughs> this so much. Really? Yeah. The I... that bare naked ladies, like but 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 yeah, it's fucking awful. I'm gl- <laughs> like I think it killed rock. Like this was the la- This is like the death knell of this kind of like rock music. Because, like, they went into this, like, in, insanely cringy white guy rapping shit. And, and no one could, no one could even sort of, like, plausibly pretend it was cool anymore. Yeah, I think you have this situation where, you know, the late 90s, you have the rise of, like, new metal and a lot yep. of, like, rap rock type of stuff. Yep. And I think... So similar to me to like the the Midwest or like Chicago like rapid fire triplet or sixteenth note rapping, it's okay. impressive and interesting when done sparingly. That's interesting like, because yeah, I find both of those things kind of like I think it was interesting when it was like a novel thing, but they both became so oversaturated almost immediately. Right. And I think that's yeah. that that becomes the kind of deal is is when you're doing this kind of like not really singing vocal aesthetic, that's fine if that isn't your entire aesthetic. Like if that isn't your entire song, right? Like if you're singing most of it but then there's like a 
kind of half-spoken, half-sung verse here or there, or bridge here or there. Yeah, but I think this does it every single verse, a little bit, right? Some verses more than others, but, like, this, is, it, this isn't like, oh, they do it this one tiny part of this song. They, like, every single verse has something dumb like that, where you go, oh, he's doing that weird rap rock thing. Yeah, okay. but... So, anyway... It sucks, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to dive into this? Let's dive in. Let's so dive I think in. you get your... The, the, we open with the doot-doot-doos. That is kind of just the refrain over and over again, right? Like Yeah. Like, this is like he thinks he's fucking Lou Reed or something, right? Yeah, he is, he is Lou Reed. <laughs> he, is, uh, he is Lou Reed. <laughs> he is. He's, uh, he's what we have now instead of Lou Reed in the late 90s. Exactly, exactly. Uh, there's so yeah, so he's definitely doing the walk on the wild side thing, but to their own song. Um, but then we get into the first verse. I'm packed and I'm holding. I'm smiling. She's living. She's golden. She lives for me. She says she lives for me. I like that. That's like almost like a correction. Like she lives for me. Well, she says she lives for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me let me walk that back a little bit. So yeah, maybe I'm, uh, you know, I'm being a little over, over hyping myself <laughs> yeah, and how, this how is... much this relationship means. So packed and holding. The first time I was like, is, he, is this dude like carrying a gun? But I, I think it's drugs, right? It's, yeah, he's, he's, drugs. he's he's packed and holding drugs. It's, it's, yeah. it's, and it's specifically it's meth. Yes, it is crystal meth for this song. Yeah, and it's funny because, like, you think, like, like oh, it's kind of, like, uh, it's druggy and it's, you know, it could be a couple of different things. And then at one point in the verse, he's just like, and then I snort a line of crystal meth. She's <laughs> 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 like, what? Yeah. It's um, like, oh, okay. Now, now there's no... There's no having to interpret what this song's about. It's just like, oh, this is what this song is about. Yeah. This is a... What are they? The P and P? Do you know this? Like with this, like what what Andrew Gillum just went through? Do you know no, what I'm talking about? No, I don't know about? what you're talking about. <laughs> what did Andrew Gillum just go through? So he was, um, well, his I guess he was in a hotel room with someone, um, and that person had a whole bunch of meth on them, and. And they didn't know, like, uh, they were like, oh, we don't, we don't really know, like, like, they asked this guy, like, so they, like, take him to the hospital or whatever, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, the, the, Andrew Gillum is a friend of mine, and, you know, we're just, like, we're just good friends, and then okay. they asked Andrew Gillum, like, well, what were you doing in the hotel, and he's like, oh, I was staying at the hotel, like, uh, to, for, to go for a, to go to a wedding, and this guy is just, like, a, like, a friend of mine. And then they asked the guy, like, oh, was, was Andrew there for the wedding? Were you there for the wedding? He's like, I didn't know anything about a wedding. <laughs> so it's, like, very clearly these dudes were doing meth and having sex in a hotel room. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's a common, the, 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 the drug parlance is P&P, party and play. You, like, oh. you sort of hole up in a hotel room with a bunch of meth and you just have a lot of sex and do a lot of meth. I mean, that's one way to do it. Yeah, big on big on you, Andrew Gillum. I, yeah, I, I I harbor no ill will towards anyone doing this. I mean, I do think that meth can be a very destructive thing, and and wouldn't recommend it. But you got to live your life too. So yeah, no, for sure. And Andrew Gillum, if anybody's gonna live their life, it's gonna be him. <laughs> it's, it's definitely him. <laughs> yeah, so he's got crystal meth on him. 
she's living, she's golden, she lives for me. She says she lives for me. Which I think that the implication there actually is like, she's really living for these drugs. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I'm sorry, guy in the meth room with Andrew Gillum. I don't think Andrew Gillum loves you. I think that he wanted to do meth and have sex. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. And I think, you know, so the, the, the line ovation, her own motivation. Yep. So that is, is a question of she likes, is it, she likes the attention and likes the drugs that come with that attention that this guy is giving to her. Yeah. Or alternately, Stephen Jenkins just thought that was a cool rhyme. (laughs) Alternatively, that is, he just thinks it's a cool rhyme. That's true. Yeah. She comes around and she comes down. She goes down on me, and I make her smile like a drug for you. That line doesn't entirely make sense to me. It's like, and I make her smile like a drug for you. Yeah, and not only that, but that's a part where he does this the talking singing thing, right? So he's like, and I make her smile like a drug for you, and it's like the (laughs) most weird. Like, why are you doing it like that? Why are you saying that? Yeah, it is the. And I make her smile like a drug for you. Do ever what you want to do coming over you. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. It's it's terrible. Why did anyone like this? To so do ever what you want to do. Like this, this Do this. ever what you want to do is <laughs> This fun fact about that line is John Wilkes Booth shouted that at the Ford Theater after he killed Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> do ever what you want to do. Do ever what you want to do. Um Yeah, no, that sucks. Also, I think that the heroin as, like, or, like, love as heroin addiction or meth addiction or whatever mm-hmm. kind of, like, theme that runs throughout a lot of sh- terrible shit in the late 90s is really just awful. Like, a good, like, loving relationship should not feel like an addiction to a drug. Right. And we need to, like, get rid of this fucking nonsense. Well, I think that's, that's like, this trope in pop music of... Uh... You know, Kesha. I was it Kesha has your love is like a drug or love like a drug. And yeah, I remember that uh, Edward Cullen in Twilight is like, oh, you're you're like heroin to me. I can't get enough of you. And then he like fucking watches her while she sleeps and shit. Oh, uh, I I choose to believe you. <laughs> You've never seen Twilight? No, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the Harry Potters either. Like... I, I I haven't either. <laughs> So I'm in... I haven't seen a single Harry Potter movie. Never will. <laughs> so, but yeah, so it's like there's this trope of these kind of addictive relationships that I think oddly people aspire to. Like they feel like that's what a relationship should be like. And it's like, no, that's just, you know, it, if you look at drug addiction, it ends in disaster. Yeah. Yeah, and glorify, and a lot of these terrible relationships also end in disaster in a, in a yeah. not dissimilar way. Yeah, I mean, I think even this this you know the credit I will give to this song is I feel like there is this almost acknowledgement of they want that that this is not what they want in life. Right, but we'll we'll get to that part. Also, I feel like this whole first verse is a nice metaphor for the song. Because it probably seems fun and euphoric from the inside, but if you're looking at it from the outside, it's just cringy as fuck. Yeah. And so is the you know, so is this song and so is their lifestyle. So it's 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 a it's a well done for mirroring content thing. Well, you know, you have a very upbeat 
backing like the entire song is very upbeat and and fast pay faster pace yeah you know it's it's a it's pop rock for sure yep and then catchy it's catchy catchy. with you know this kind of like cringy and mildly dark lyrics Mm -hmm. but so anyway so keep on smiling what we go through one stop to the rhythm that divides you I don't understand the second line, but the first line is like, keep on smiling what we go through. That makes, you know, the, both the highs and the lows of drug addiction or coming up and down on crystal meth. It's like, yeah, you smile through it or whatever. Yeah. But also I like that, that one thing that's kind of nice about writing a drug song, the sort of the, the secret beauty of writing a song about drugs is that if you write some bullshit that makes no sense, you could just be like, uh, it's the drugs talking, you know? Like, you, yeah. <laughs> one stop to the rhythm that divides. Like, that's fucking, it makes no sense, but I was on drugs. So, like, I guess one stop to the rhythm that divides you, is that, like, the 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 rhythm of constantly taking bumps and constantly having to take the drug? I think, that, I like, think the rhythm the, is, like, the up and down, right? Like, the high yeah. and the crash. Yeah. And that's what divides your life is between those highs and those lows. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, and this is sort of ironically, we're heading into the pre-chorus, which divides the verse from the chorus. And it tells us that. And it tells us that very clearly, (laughs) right? It's like, hey, by the way, this song is a drug metaphor. (laughs) And I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. Yep. Chop another line like a coda with a curse. (laughs) That's that doesn't actually it's make such any a terrible sense. Rhyme. Like that yeah. isn't... And the only thing I could say is like, okay, so the coda with the curse, because the song is semi-charmed life, right? Mm-hmm. And the a charm is kind of the opposite of a curse. Sure. So, uh, so I think that that's what they're kind of trying to get at there. Yeah. But then the other irony is that, you know, I speak to you like the chorus to the verse. He's not the one doing the speaking in the chorus. She right, is. it's her. It's she is, yeah. So she's actually the one speaking to him. And he's the one trying to, like, say all the weird bullshit, and then she's just like, I hate this. Yeah, so I want, yeah, so that's the thing that that I, I think, this is a song about a dude dragging a woman down further into drug addiction, right? Yeah. Because if it's like, I speak to you, like, the chorus of the verse, chopping at a line, it's like, he's trying to just do more drugs, Right, yeah, I, and, and the, the repetitiveness of a chorus, right? I want right. to just keep doing this same cycle. Yes. But the problem with drugs, you know, from your dare studies, Gabe, is uh, <laughs> it's, that's a it's not a cycle; it's a spiral, and it goes right down into the gutter. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you are unable to maintain, like there yeah. are, and this is one of those things. I, you know, despite what dare dare taught me, is you know, I've had those cycles of when I've been in a mental state where I am, you know reasonably balanced we'll say uh-huh. you know for lack of a better term it's like much easier for me to engage in you know drinking or drugs but if i'm on like a down you know if i'm mentally down or something's going on it's like very easy for me to spiral out of control yeah. as a as an escape from the feeling terrible or feeling whatever stressed or anxious mm-hmm. but if i don't have like healthy coping mechanisms to deal with like the stress and anxiety or depression like then if i have those healthy coping mechanisms then you know give me all of the drugs and i will have a right. great time and i will be back at work on monday no problem yeah 
So in other words, drugs are just another in a, in a series of complicated social, cultural, and economic, and, and interpersonal factors in, right. in one's life. Exactly. Yeah. So, come on like a freak show, takes the stage, we give them the games we play, she says, now we're into the chorus. What does she say? What does she say? She says, interestingly enough... I she want say, something by the way, else. not she say. Not she says. Oh, excuse me. It's she, say. she say. She say. She, what does she say? She She's, say. I want something, something else. else. You know, I think this—that's the interesting thing to me of the pre-chorus. Like this is what to me this makes the song kind of interesting. Is this guy is trying to just live his life through a haze of drugs, and right. just from moment to moment, it's like, or he's living his life from one high to the next, right? Yeah, and she's like the moral grounding. Right. Right? Like I this is not right. We need something else. Yeah. And we can't do the same thing over and over again. We're just going to end up in the same place. Exactly. So, she wants something else to get me through this semi-charmed kind of life. Baby, baby. <laughs> baby, baby. <laughs> and I want something else. This is the thing that I'm kind of curious about is mm-hmm. i want something else i'm not listening when you say goodbye right and i think maybe we have switched back into him for this line that's the only way i can make sense of it yeah so it sounds is, like somebody's trying to say because well, who's the one that's saying goodbye in this scenario it would be her right yeah unless he's saying goodbye like you know like i'm just gonna like totally succumb to the you know to the ecstatic uh wiles of the drugs or i think that really what she's saying is like i want to leave this life and maybe maybe he's he's not listening he doesn't give a shit yeah he doesn't give a shit maybe he's saying so maybe he's saying goodbye he's like oh fine then go do you know you go do you and i'm gonna keep doing this and maybe she's so the other, I think, possible way is it, so if she's the 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 source of reason, right? Uh-huh. Maybe it's she really does love him or she really does care for him. And she's like, I'm not going to let you do this. Right. Yeah. She's trying to figure out a way. She's like, look, I want something else, but I want something else for the both of us. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's not enough here to to evaluate that. Yeah. But what there is enough to evaluate is that we're back to being Lou Reed. Yep. For a little while. It's taking back to taking a walk on a wild side. (laughs) Taking a walk on a wild side. And verse two, the sky was gold. It was rose. I was taking sips up my nose. Or I was taking sips (laughs) up into my nose. Up into my nose, yeah. And I wish I could get back there, someplace back there. This is where it gets real. Okay, so then it goes, smiling in the pictures you would take, doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. It's just like, this song, like, abandons all pretense towards, like, trying to be metaphorical. And it's just like, like, psst, it's about crystal meth. And then it gets into, the, we're in like full bare naked ladies territory at this yeah. point, right? It won't stop, I won't come down, I keep stock with a tick-top rhythm, a bump for the drop, and then I'm bumped up, I took a hit that I was given, then I bumped again, then I'm bumped again. I like, said. Like, this is, you know, 
I hit the bump because I dump because I'm dumb and I'm numb. So Try I to will, have some fun in the sun. Like, this, it's so terrible. And But this is what I think is so redeeming about this verse is the backing music. Is, like, they do, like, either, like, they do a pretty good job of matching his cadence with oh, yeah. some kind of, like, you know, with some hits in the back. Some, some vamping. Yeah, and it's like, I'm like, all right. Which I think distracts you from the shittiness of the lyrics, right? Not me. Not me. I can't. <laughs> this is nothing to distract me from the shit. You could do any sort of interesting musical thing you want, and I will still go, wait, he keeps stock with a TikTok rhythm, a bump for the drop, then he bumped up, took the hit again he was given, then bumped again, then bumped again. Wait, so I guess the question is, did you... Did you recognize how bad the lyrics were when listening to it, but not reading the lyrics? That's, I think that's the magical trick that's being played, is if you don't know the lyrics, it all just sounds pleasant. Between the music it... and the cadence of the, the talking that's happening at you. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe... Maybe, and maybe that's another, like, you know, drug metaphor of, like, oh, it looks good from the outside. Just go with it. It doesn't matter. But then if you really sort of get invested in it, you're going to fuck yourself up. Yeah. Anyway, I do, I still contend that the rap, rap rock influence here, <laughs> this is the death knell of, of rock music in the late 90s. Like, this is what does it. Well, I think you know, it, was, a... it was going down, and and you know this is part of a, our shit rock series. Yes. So it was it was going down for a while, right? We we're on a downward trajectory, mm-hmm. but this is like we're now past the point of no return. I yeah, I think this you this... don't come back from from I keep stock with a TikTok rhythm bump for the drop, right? You're just like <laughs> there's just no coming back from that. Yeah, I think there's this this uh, this was like such a weird fad in the late '90s. It just like to me it seemed like bare naked ladies came out and then all of a sudden there was a bunch of other people doing this too mm-hmm. um i i choose to believe they're mostly all attempting to rip off the bare naked ladies and i see like, i choose to i think that it's it goes far deeper than that you think this because you also you had like merge organically oh yeah like because you also had like we were talking about like you had limp biscuit doing it in a different kind of genre you had like ska would do this kind of shit right yeah you're right like it was just it there is there is something irredeemably cheesy about the late nineties. God, the late nineties. I don't know what it is. Sucked. I don't know if it was like the Clinton administration or like, you know, we were kinda like we we it was this like Fukuyama end of history kind of <laughs> idea. And it was just like, well, I guess anything fucking goes, right? The the future is the present with more options, and one of those options is terrible white guys rapping. You know what? You know what's really happening. Also, the late '90s. This is like the we're nearing the end of the total domination of record labels in terms yes. of access to music. So, what is getting popular? Right, because this is this is right before the internet, and the internet's just going to come along and kind of explode the business model. And exactly. Right. Yeah. The, this yeah. like. This precarious period of the 90s was, like, right before that. Yeah, we're going to get Napster very soon. Yep. If not already in small form, we're going to start seeing people downloading and sharing music and sharing music that you may not have access to or been easily get access to in the past. 
And so I think, right. yeah, this is this is the, the end of the tastemakers. And the tastemakers in the late 90s decided this weird white guy rap sing thing. Well, and that's still part of the future plus more options, right? Because they were like, okay, well, Limp Biscuit's doing good and Bare, Ma- Bare Naked Ladies are doing good and Ska is doing good and like also actual hip hop, right? You also have like Eminem being kind of a cheesy white guy rapper in the <laughs> rap subgenre. <laughs> This and so the, the, you have all these things that are like, all we need to do is just market all this bullshit to like suburban teenage boys and we'll make a fucking killing. Yeah. You know, the same thing happened to movies in the 80s where they were like, oh, you just, I get it. You don't make a good movie anymore. You just, you just market a sh- like a shitty movie, but you market it to teenage boys and they, their brains are not developed enough to like have a strong sense of taste. So they're just like, that's fine. I'll just consume this dumb bullshit that's fair i don't i i'm not familiar with movies from the 80s so well i mean like star wars and then like terminator and like that kind of like it was all just like shit for teenage boys um first off all that shit rules so i don't know what you're talking right because you're a teenage boy <laughs> actually no <laughs> I, terminator was awesome i don't care what anybody says but also I mean, my... terminator was awesome that doesn't mean these things are all universally yeah. terrible yeah. i mean also to be fair my my standards for good versus bad movie is equivalent to a teenage boy right Oh, I know this about you. <laughs> You're, I mean, like, The Predator is your favorite. I think Alien vs. Yeah, Predator Alien, is your favorite movie. <laughs> Alien vs. Predator is my favorite movie. I think it is a cinematic masterpiece and truly You're belongs. one of the few people that, that this trend actually helped in movies. Yes. <laughs> you got more of the type of movie that you like. Well, that's Everybody like, else that's got less. That's not even true. I think this is the, <laughs> the problem with this is, you know, I have a, a standard, and the standard is, do I get bored? Like, so if you are introducing way too many plot elements, trying to be too weird. So, like, you know, Batman versus Superman should theoretically be the movie for me. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to be a cheesy action movie. But it's like they can, can't can coherently bring together any sort of plot that makes sense. And I'm like, no, this shit sucks. Like, if I don't have, like, if the second I start doubting your plot or start having to like think like wait no, no that doesn't make any sense like oh, just stop so like i guess i should say that my you know my my nuance take is i should be entertained but i should be entertained right. in a way that is i don't have to break my immersion to all of a sudden start thinking about like wait wait, wait, wait. like this this character's motivations makes no fucking sense Right, but I'm not saying that the the studios won't occasionally fail to offer you the thing that you want. What I'm saying is that they are attempting, right? Even Batman versus Superman is is clearly an attempt at like capturing the teenage boy audience. All Marvel movies are an attempt at capturing the teenage boy audience. And the nice thing about this business model is that like with the infantilization of culture Teenage boys can describe people in their 40s, right? Like, we're all essentially teenage boys on some level. Like, we've all been stunted by this shit. Yeah. But yeah, they're occasionally going to make a bad movie, but, you know, the... They don't make musicals anymore. They don't make westerns anymore. Yeah, very rarely. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a few westerns and a yeah, few, yeah, like, La La no, Land yeah, and, and no. Hateful Eight are, are westerns and musicals, but, like... Yeah, but who does that appeal to, like... Yeah, it appeals to, like, cinephiles, right? Like, it's just people that really like movies, and they go, oh, this is, like, reminiscent of a cultural thing that I used to like in the 50s or whatever. Yeah, like, I, uh, 
or you know the the like mid 40s early 50s people who remember that and so then when you go I just don't like I I remember going to this is all going to be cut out. This is like far afield. <laughs> no, this is all great. This is amazing. It needs to be there. Like so there's <laughs> there's this jazz club near me that I like to go to. And I remember after La La Land came out, it, it was mostly like a place of you know, not too many people would go there on the nights where they would have live jazz that weren't like say Friday or Saturday night. So there was like a uh-huh. lot of like really cool stuff going on and very talented musicians playing. And then I remember like going there on like a Friday or Saturday night and it was a bunch of like middle-aged like short haircut Karens all with like the weird blonde highlights in their hair all sitting around and like literally discussing La La Land. And like this is what they were coming to see. <laughs> like they're like, "Oh, I'm going to see Ryan Gosling type stuff up on stage." And then when like the jazz band starts playing <laughs> like Ryan Gosling type stuff. <laughs> just it's not a very good description. But then like, you know, when No, like... it's a, it's an amazing description. It's such a good description <laughs> of what they're what they're all about. Yeah. And then when like like these guys play some like legitimate jazz hits or what have you or like, you know, standards then it's just like they're like I don't understand what's going on, or like when the guys take like really interesting but weird solos, it's like you can tell they're not into it. They're like, oh wait, yeah. I thought this was gonna be some Ryan Gosling type stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's such a great description of anything. <laughs> this is some Ryan Gosling type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the bridge. So I mean, how do we how do we get back to this song? Well, by going to the bridge. How do going I get to the bridge? You got to go to the bridge. Yeah. How do I get back I believe, there? I believe in the sand beneath my toes. Oh, is that the, the beach? Is that are no, we no, not we, there? No. So we we have this weird pre-chorus, like a secondary pre-chorus. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's that right. is the. How do I get back there to the place where I fell asleep inside you? How do I get myself that's... back to the place where you you said? Oh come that's on! Right. It's, that's like that. That those hits in the music are like so burnt into my memory. But yeah, so back to so I think you know the pre-chorus. This one changes up a little bit, but is I mm-hmm. think this him chasing that high, or maybe even chasing that that initial feeling of when he was doing crystal meth. Yeah, the place where I, the place where I fell asleep inside you is also is like both this like ball shrinkingly cringy description. Yeah, but also. A metaphor for how do I get back to the the part of this relationship that I enjoyed? To me, I, I, I think of this like, yeah, the place where I fell asleep inside you of like, it could be this super cringy thing or to me is it can be cringy for two reasons. Like cringy <laughs> because he's trying to express some sort of like warmth and comfort from... <laughs> Yeah. from her that like yeah. he fell asleep inside of inside of the relationship or he was so fucked up that he like yeah, literally just couldn't out perform and, yeah. like he just passed out yeah and they're both cringy in their own way right because one is like a weird vagina as comforting warmth metaphor mm-hmm. and then one is just like oh that's just like a that's like, sad he, he liked that right like yeah. he, he fell asleep and then he enjoyed that experience yeah like she probably didn't tell you that much. Yeah. And so yeah, then we get the we get the same chorus of her saying goodbye or like trying to to leave, trying to look for something different. Yep. I don't really semi-charmed kind of life. I'm um 
Like, what is what is what do they mean by semi-charmed? Like, yeah. So I think you know, I think that they're trying to first. They're optimists, so it's not semi-cursed. It's semi-charmed. Okay, Gla- glass but, half. But full ultimately, of it's yeah, it's, it's glass half charmed, <laughs> and like ultimately, there's a charm to it because when you're on the up and you're high, you're you know, it's it's ecstatic and great, and then it's but it's only semi-charmed because you're coming off the high. It's semi-charmed, semi-cursed. Okay. I like that. I, that. That makes sense. Yep. That makes sense to me. Now we get to the bridge that is, yep. oh, man, this is some, I I feel like, like, this was stream of consciousness when he was kind of yeah. describing This is the this. only part of the song I like, by the way. I think it's, I, I think <laughs> it's the, it's the best part in terms of it's this kind of, you know, he's like describing all these beautiful things. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't have to we can just say tell you what he's saying is I believe in the sand beneath my toes. The beach gives a feeling, an earthy feeling. I believe in This the- is like really really quick. The, the the beach feeling, right? This is like classic. Do you know the beneath the paving stones, the beach? Mm-mm. Like that famous uh, May 68 Paris slogan where these kids like they literally were removing these paving stones and there was sand underneath. And this became this like great metaphor for sort of urbanization ruining our lives yeah. and you know stripping the ideological muck of late capitalism off and seeing the natural unfettered beauty of the world right mm-hmm. so i think that's what he's going for yeah. right he's like he ha- his ideological muck is this like sort of terrible life that he's constructed for himself yes. with meth and and this woman and but like the beach like there's still this sort of like this this uh, this tie-in to a natural, beautiful world that is a better world than the yeah. one that he's currently experiencing. Yes. And and, and, right? he, and, and yeah. then, I believe in the faith that grows and the four right chords can make me cry. So, right. Well, first of all, this this song only has three chords, but <laughs> that's okay. Well, um, he's not necessarily talking about this song. He's talking yeah, about... Yeah, no, he clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he is saying something like, you know... I, in the way that the beach is this um, this tethering back to a beautiful world underneath all the all the bullshit, that art is that too. Yeah, right. Art is this sort of uh, way to append the overdetermined superstructure. Yes, that that separates us from any sort of genuine connection or feeling. So that's this is the part of the song that I actually like, where he sort of has this epiphany about the way that his life has gone. Yeah, and I and I think this is this to me is the most interesting. The closest we get to you have this back and forth between him and her, uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of she wants to leave, and maybe he's finding some realization of these. There are these things besides crystal meth that give him these feelings and that give him this happiness. You know, mm-hmm. when when I'm with you, I feel like I could die and that would be all right. Yeah, it's a little bit of that you know, kind of toxic relationship or like That's, addictive yeah, relationship. Um, but I think but that, it's also know, feeling happy enough with another person. Yeah. The charitable reading is is right, is that this is this relationship is so meaningful to me that it. If that's the way, if that's all I, I accomplish in my life, if that's all I get to experience, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, the sense of the the world is a harsh and lonely place, 
if you can find somebody to share it with hey all the better all the better and when the plane came in she said she was crashing and this is back to the double metaphor of leaving Mm -hmm. and of coming down off a high right the velvet it rips in the city we tripped up we tripped on the urge to feel alive but now i'm struggling to survive Mm mm-hmm right you want to feel alive but sometimes you know you got to struggle to survive (laughs) Well, I think I think it's this classic conundrum in the yeah. You know. Well, I think it's that again, since we know this is about drugs, it's like they are chasing this feeling that high, and now in you know the drugs have dulled their senses to everything, and now they're struggling just to chase that high again and again, right? And again. And also the sort of the the material conditions are always kind of pinging back on you, yes. right? So when you're when you have a drug habit, now. You know, c- certain people can handle it better than others based on their their income levels, but mm-hmm. uh, most people, you know, the drugs wipe you out pretty quick. Yeah, and then you're, you know, you literally are struggling to survive. Yep. Those days you were wearing that velvet dress. You're the priestess. I must confess. <laughs> Just read the last one. There's the, that last line. Those right there. those little red panties. They passed the test. That this is the worst thing I've ever read in my life. <laughs> That sentence is the worst thing anyone has ever said on this planet. It's just so interesting. You can almost see like the bridge. I would say a a charitable reading could be you start with this beauty and this interesting take that just devolves slowly into idiocy. <laughs> into horniness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, into idiotic horniness. Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't even like bother with the like Oh, and you're beautiful, and your beauty is, you know, not dissimilar to the beach and the art and all that, right? Like, right. He, can't even, he can't even do that. He's just like, and now I'm horny. <laughs> not only is that, but, like, they pass the test? <laughs> Man, fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> it's like, there's, like, dude, you need to get yourself a, a rhyming dictionary, a rhyming thesaurus, and come up with something better than that pass the test could you imagine saying that to a woman (laughs) how like i don't care how much crystal meth you've just done like there's just there's no planet on which that's an acceptable thing to say to another human being (laughs) your little red panties they pass the test (laughs) (laughs) it is a very bad and not romantic thing in any way (laughs) when when you're when you're telling someone that you already have a test for them right and and their their undergarment choices are being subjected unbeknownst to them mm-hmm. to this test that you have like that's already insane you're already an insane person but then to express to the person that not only do you have this system but that they passed the system yeah do you think he's ever failed anyone? <laughs> I I doubt it. I he seems like a horny dude who, you know, and apparently a creep. So I would assume he's never failed somebody. Yeah, maybe. I don't know it'd be funny though. You know, like, <laughs> hey, what's up, Granny Panties? You failed. <laughs> this is like not right. wearing what panties. Are... Would that also fail the test? Or would that pass it even more, right? <laughs> it's like, like, who knows? Would that pass with flying colors? 
Oh, God. So slide up, round the belly face, down on the mattress one. What is on the mattress one? I don't know. Like, is that like his sleep setting? <laughs> like his sleep number? He's he he might have like a, a real soft cushy bed. He might have lie a down on it and also make it make sure that it's not very firm. He might have a a crystal meth problem, but he sure his shit can still afford a fucking sleep number bed. <laughs> Tempurpedic or whatever. Oh, yeah, that whatever shit they is. are. <laughs> oh god! And then it, like it goes from this like absolute trash to this like kind of trying to be like almost sincere and still kind of cringy but yeah it's like faux tenderness yeah right? tender yeah. he's back into like he's now channeling like a like a like a johnny rez at this point yes. right yeah and you hold me and we are broken still it's all i want to do just a little now like i don't know it's just like so the song just takes such a like left turn out of nowhere so i mean like this whole thing of like if we deleted i guess like i'm trying to think if i deleted the from those days you were wearing that velvet dress through so slide up round the belly face down to the mattress one if i just deleted all those lines like if you go the velvet it rips in the city we trip on the urge to feel alive and you hold me but now i'm struggling to survive and you hold me yes yeah. Like, that would be, like, and so if you go, like, and now, but now I'm struggling to survive, and then you go into this really tender thing of the, and you hold me, and we are broken, but still, it's all that I want to do, just a little, like, these, these drugs, like, even though I have this comfort of a human being who cares for me, like, I am still drawn to these, this would be, like, so much more interesting. So, it would be this, like, sort of, like, yeah, this almost beautiful little bridge to kind of, like, encapsulate the sort of realization that his life is not what he wanted it to be. But it's just absolutely punctured right in the middle by his horniness. <laughs> by his, like, cringy horniness. Well, I mean... And this is really kind of, like, if you think about it, isn't this what 90s shit rock is all about? I mean, isn't that what life like, is just, about, though? Like, is just... trying. That's true. Like, <laughs> trying to find the beauty in the world, and then it just gets ruined because you're too horny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is just... That is just life. Is sometimes it's absolutely beautiful, punctuated by just awful horniness every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. And so then, you know, feel myself hovering off the ground. Right? That's going back to the plane, I yeah. think. Right? And also, like, the getting high kind of thing. I'm scared I'm not coming down. Which is, that's interesting, right? Wouldn't it be good that you're not coming down? Well, I guess it's so it's is so I guess the way I interpreted it was I'm scared. Not I'm scared I'm not coming down, but like I'm scared, period. I'm not coming down. It's like I'm scared of being sober. I'm scared Mm. of of I'm scared of what you want to do, of what you you that you want to leave this life behind. So but I'm not coming down from from this because i'm scared i like that and i won't run for my life right and that's kind of like he's i think he's kind of like coyly playing on the on the phrase run for your life Mm -hmm. but he's saying like you know the running is is the one thing like running from this lifestyle is the one thing that would actually save my life yeah and then she's got her jaws now locked down in a smile 
which that feels very methy to me right like your your jaws are locked and you're grinding your teeth and you're just destroying your mouth i guess there but like or but it's in a smile or i guess the question is if she if she wants out of this life and you're just like no and you are being and she's having to drag you kicking and screaming maybe it's just she is smiling at you knowing that like okay this is this is this is over this is done like i can't mm-hmm keep trying to i can't drag you kicking and screaming out of this right and and nothing is all right all right and now it feels like right because the here it goes back into the chorus but it doesn't do that like pre-chorus lead-in of she says so here it almost feels like now he's the one singing this part right right now it's kind of like he's now embodied the chorus of now here i am and i'm the one that wants something else yeah so Right, she's past the ennui stage, and he's entering into it. Yeah, that's kind of a fun turn. Yeah, I think it's 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 an interesting like there is like this song had a chance. Like there's some glimmers of like <laughs> it could have been good. Yep, like it could have been like it could have been so much better than it is. Like just a little bit of editorial work on somebody's part, you know, get get rid of some of mm-hmm. the horniness. Yep. Just cut out the horniness. Like, because I think there's this deal of, like, you can, like, I I think there's this this weird idea that happened in the 90s of, like, if you explicitly describe sexual situations that somehow makes it good or deep or interesting. Yeah. And it's like. It's like the, like the Henry Miller approach, yeah. right? It's just like, well, sex sells, but, like. If you really are explicit about it, then it's almost like a stand-in for vulnerability. Right. Because you're saying, you know, you're saying taboo things that people aren't willing to say. Yeah. But, okay, so then I want something else not listening when you say goodbye, 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 goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Yeah, so now it's, you know, now he's coming to terms. I, I think this is... You know, this is the slow death of the song. Yeah, and I think this is the the slow. He will kill himself doing this. Yeah, exactly. And so then we get the outro. The sky was gold. It was rose. I was taking sips up into my nose. <laughs> Again, we're back to this. <laughs> and then we skip ahead to the. And I wish I could get back there, someplace back there, in the place we used to start our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like this. She's gone, I think, at this point. I think that my interpretation yeah. is she's gone, and he wishes, which is, like, such kind of a shitty thing to wish, of, like, I wish you were still addicted to crystal meth, and we could just go back <laughs> right. to doing crystal meth together. But you know what else this is, Gabe, is this is him saying, the past is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're back to that bullshit. Yes, we are. We will never be gone. We will never be gone from that at all no ironically though the past is gone the the sentiment that the past is gone will forever remain yeah and then we get one last round of some lou yeah, reed one, one last lou reed but then i guess i wonder if this so, and then it ends with him saying i want something else i want something else is and that's like the almost like the call of right like this is the this is the real meaning. There's this like faint echo of, of wishing something else was better, even though you're now basically trapped by yourself in the lifestyle that you've created. Yeah. 
So I wonder how much I wonder how much of it is like how much of her wanting something else was this like desperate loneliness that he now feels that she's gone. Uh-huh. Like so was he just being this like you know more or less neglectful asshole and right. she felt lonely or she felt alone and was like I want something besides these drugs and this loneliness. And now that he's experiencing the same loneliness, he's like, oh, man. Yeah, I I want something else, too. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out this sucks. She was right. Yeah, it's like it's a, you know, it's it's a cyclical thing. Right. And then, you know, he'll meet some new girl and and he'll be like trapped in it. And she'll be like, I don't get it. This is great. What are you talking about? And then he leaves and then she becomes the new I want something else person. Yeah. Right. It's like Highlander. <laughs> there can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> There's always someone that wants something else. There's always someone who wants something else. All right. Well, Darren. Yep. Semi-charmed kind of life by Third Eye Blind. Does it slap? I I say no. Um, I I think that it's that yes is a respectable position but my position is this is marred by too much uh cringy 90s bullshit and horniness so i'm gonna say no yeah so when i came into this song i was like yeah this song slaps absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. and then as with anything sitting down with the lyrics and it's like there's so many moments of like interesting lyrics or imagery that are painted and the music, the music absolutely slaps. I think the backing track track slaps, but I almost think that like everything except for anything that Steven Jenkins got his grubby little mitts on (laughs) is good. Right. Right. And unfortunately his, his horniness kind of, you know, and it's just so bad. It's like, it's, I want to ignore it. But that wouldn't be doing the slap cannon justice. And so yeah. I have to say. It's a harsh mistress. It is a harsh mistress. <laughs> and so I have to say, no, this song does not slap. All right. We're out. <laughs> Next up, you probably graduated to this song. It's Green Day's Good Riddance. You can find Does It Slap on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, shit, just about everywhere. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends and give us a five-star rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. The reviews will help other people find the podcast. In your review, feel free to tell us what song you want us to give the slap treatment. Who knows? We might just add your favorite song to the slap cannon. Follow us on Twitter at DoesItSlapPod. Our theme music is provided by the patron saints of slap, New Junk City. Find a link to their band camp down in the episode description. Our cover art is done by Jeremy Hammond. Find him on Twitter at Jeremy Thunder. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Boom.